a Lifetime original podcast. This episode covers topics that include murder and violence. Listener discretion is advised. So it's no secret that I love true crime. I spend a lot of time talking about murder, usually, though, other people's murders. But hypothetically speaking, if I was accused of a crime, don't you think this podcast would likely be held against me in a court of law? 100%. I mean, you've literally joked about murdering your husband and more than once. What we're saying right now is actually being played in a courtroom somewhere. So I just want it to be known. I don't know who this person is. I've never met Quinn in my life. I I don't know who Mm, she is. Likely story. All right, listen, let's do a little hypothetical exercise. Let's pretend I did kill my husband. Okay, okay. Okay? And I like Matt. (laughs) Well, some do. Um, Let's talk about the why and the how. And again, this is completely make-believe. Yes, let it be known to the court of law. This is make-believe. Go on. Okay, let's talk motive. You know how Matt does that thing where he leaves just like the littlest bit of cream cheese or hummus or jelly, and then he puts it back in the fridge. So I see it in there. I make a meal plan. I pull out said jar container, and there is nothing inside. Yes, I do know that this is a habit that he does. And not only are you like angry and upset because your dream meal has been dashed against the rocks, it's also because you're hangry at this point too. Correct, correct. So let's say that this uh, food crime he's continued to commit, uh, just it won't stop. It gets to be too much. I want out. I am done sharing a fridge, but I don't want to deal with a messy divorce. So that really only leaves one option, murder in the first. Absolutely. No question. No other option presents itself to me clearly. So yes, murder (laughs) in the first. And the next question I have is, how are you going to do it? Great question. Well, I've got options. Uh, There's weapons like knives or guns, which are very effective, but I don't know, messy, trauma-inducing. Mm-hmm. There is poison, but I think I've already demonstrated that I, I hold very little power over my kitchen and the food therein. Um, You could hire a person to do it. That is not me volunteering. Services, not me. Do not come nah. for me. No, no, no. But you could no, hire someone. I don't want to get blackmailed. Fair, fair, fair. I mean, you could also get your hypothetical lover to do it. Brad? <laughs> No way, he'd screw it up, and then we'd both go to prison. That Brad, that hypothetical lover Brad, he always gets into mischief. But in all seriousness, I think we're overthinking this. And I know it's hypothetical, but maybe we shouldn't be talking this out to our audience. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, a story does come to mind, one we are about to tell, in fact, about a person who told the world exactly how to commit a murder. And then... Her husband is murdered. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And this is Crime of a Lifetime. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. First things first, I am not planning on killing my husband yet. But Matt, if you are listening, you're on thin ice. 
Also, I love you. Wait, who am I talking to? Quinn, who? Who is this? Listen, I'm not an accomplice. I'm just trying to do my job and talk about murder. I hope the jury who's listening will believe me. I have neither aided nor have I abetted, okay? Folks, we're trying to start this off, uh, I guess, a little weird because today's story is so meta. It takes place in Portland, Oregon, the capital of weird. And this will all make sense once we introduce you to our main character, Nancy Brophy. And in some ways, you could say we're similar to Nancy Brophy. We're both in the true crime uh, space. She is a romance suspense novelist, which is sort of true crime adjacent. I'm sure there's crimes in her books. Haven't read any of them, but they've got some killer titles, pun intended. The Wrong Husband. Mm -hmm. The Wrong Cop. The Wrong Brother. Ooh, and don't forget The Wrong Seal. I just imagine it's a seal. I don't know. Listen, <laughs> if you were, if it wasn't clear by this point, she's got a whole wrong series. Another thing we have in common. We love food, and she spent most of her career running a catering company in Portland. She's also in her late 60s, and while this doesn't seem like a similarity, once you add Quinn's and my ages, you get pretty near close to 60s. So it's basically together, we're the same. Same person. <laughs> Nancy's married. I'm married. I'm not. Uh, in... <laughs> Ooh, sorry to bring up a sensitive subject. (laughs) Didn't even realize that would be triggering for you. In 2018, Nancy has been happily married to the same man for 19 years. I assume her husband must have impeccable fridge manners. Well, he should, Quinn, because he's a chef. His name is Daniel Brophy. He's a chef and a teacher at the Portland Culinary School, which... Dream husband, right? Give me all the meals. He's also a master gardener who has turned their backyard into a huge spice and vegetable garden. And he's also a bit of a marine biologist, too, because he knows all of these things about sea creatures and how to handle them and how to cook them. And he's known to have an off-color sense of humor, a bit of a weirdo like myself. Honestly, I like this guy. This is my dream guy. Nancy, we got the same taste in men. Yes, she's got amenities. They involve anemones. (laughs) On her website, Nancy tells this story about the moment that she knew Daniel was the one. She was in the bath. Should we have some, like, spa music there? Just relax a a little. It's a big tub. Just relaxing. She's expecting him to come join her, but it's taking him a while, and she calls out to him, Are you coming? And he calls back, Yes, but I make it hors d'oeuvres. I'm done. A man after my own heart. I am in hook, line, and sinker. Ugh. Making, not taking music to my murderous ears. But Quinn, nobody's perfect. Daniel is a bit messy, right? Nancy's the organized one. He's a little untidy, messy. I assume he's like an artist, so there's probably pots and pans everywhere. He actually refers to Nancy as management or the cruise director. It sort of sounds like in that way they were opposites. But you know what? It works. And I I totally get this. I am the cruise director in my relationship, too. And Matt scrubs the poop deck. Watch the rest of this episode. Quinn is going to start singing Matt's praises to help him forget that she just talked about murdering him. (laughs) It's only so I can then murder him. (laughs) Plausible deniability, folks. But back to Daniel and Nancy. They've both been through divorces before. This is actually their second marriage. So they're not going to go through the whole divorce thing again, for richer or poorer. Till death does them part. 
June 2nd, 2018, probably starts out like any other day at the Brophy household. Daniel's an early riser. He has a cup of tea while Nancy sleeps in. He drives to the culinary school to start prepping for a live fire day where students will simulate working in a real restaurant. I picture this as like a Top Chef restaurant wars. Right. I mean, they're actually going to be working in an open air kitchen with a garage door to the outside. There's all stainless steel appliances. And I'm assuming because of the phrase live fire, they're just absolutely surrounded by fire extinguishers at this point. But at around 730 in the morning, two bullets hit Daniel Brophy at close range. They go right through his heart. Nobody but Daniel sees the shooter. He collapses to the ground and within minutes, he's dead. A culinary student named Clorinda Perez finds his body soon after. She attempts to resuscitate him with CPR, but he's already gone. His face is burned in her mind. She says his eyes were green and they were utterly heartbroken. Utterly heartbroken because he knew who had done this. And I will forever have to live with those green, heartbroken eyes. That morning, Nancy Brophy hears there were police at the Culinary Institute, but the news of her husband's murder hasn't reached her yet. She calls Daniel twice and texts him once before she decides she's got to drive over and just find out what's going on for herself. When she arrives, the police are swarming the entire place. Daniel's truck is parked outside the building, but he's nowhere to be found. So Nancy goes to a police officer and asks what's going on. And he informs her that her husband has been murdered. At first, the police just assume that this is an incident of a robbery gone wrong. Uh, The kitchen's garage door is open, and there's a bunch of expensive stuff inside totally worth stealing. Plus, there's whatever Daniel had on him at the time. Now, Portland has a very large unhoused population. So I guess it's not totally unthinkable that maybe someone was desperate for money and they could have come in and committed the crime. But when the police start to examine the scene, they realize that nothing is missing from this kitchen. Not a Viking oven is missing, an all-clad pot, none of those are gone. A Miyabi kitchen knife, they're all still there. Not even a stick of butter is out of place. When the police look in Daniel Brophy's pockets, they find $77 and all his credit cards completely untouched. Now that throws the robbery theory completely out the window or out of the open garage door. But could it have been a random act of violence? We've covered random acts of violence before. There doesn't necessarily need to be a motive. Right, but that is very rare. Most murders have a reason. Someone wants something, your money, their revenge. And when you look at the cases we've covered, the murders usually take place between people that know each other. People like Daniel's students, or maybe even his wife, Nancy. So, as the police usually do, they start with those closest to the victim. And they start their investigation by bringing Nancy Brophy, his wife, in for questioning. At this point, we don't know who did it, so we've got to start looking at who would have wanted Daniel dead. We know that he had um, a reputation as being a very strict, very difficult teacher. I mean, it's it's, a culinary school, 
So I mean, uh, yeah, we've we've seen the movies, we've seen the shows of what it's like to be in a professional kitchen. It's not all sunshine and daisies, you know. There's like a lot. It's like whiplash. You yeah, know, I don't know. I don't know if he was like Gordon Ramsay and everyone, <laughs> but I do think that it was like he's yelling that they're idiots. But he did have. Um, he was thought to be strict, and he had you know kind of a sarcastic sense of humor. So I think maybe the thought was. Did he uh, make a joke that pushed one of his students too far? I mean, at this point, anything is possible because it just seems so unfathomable that he is shot randomly at this point, right? Nothing is missing. I mean, it also, frankly, could be someone who isn't mentally well and just snapped. I mean, that's totally a possibility, yeah, and it sounds like the neighborhood that they, they are not willing to uh, outrule that. What did I say? They can't outrule it. That's definitely not a word. They can't rule out. Anyone. I said they they can't outrule it. But yeah, to your point, we can't rule anything out. It's hard for anyone to believe that Nancy would be the one to kill her husband. But you know how this kind of stuff goes. You got to start with a spouse. And in Nancy's case, she's done a heck of a lot more than most people have to incriminate themselves. Uh, She's a romance suspense novelist, so part of her work is to write about murder plots and police procedures. And believe it or not, as luck would have it, in 2011, Nancy posted an article on a blog, and she titled this article, How to Murder Your Husband. Ooh, awkward. And my guess is she wrote this article with this title as a way for like clickbait to get attention to her blog to sort of. I help mean, clearly her... I'd click it. Clearly, I'd be like, "Yeah, tell me more, tell Nancy. Me what to do. Tell me tell what to me do. Tell me what Nancy. to do." And I think this is also trying to help or aid her burgeoning writing career, right? But it's really. I mean, Nancy, sorry, girl, it's not that good of an article, okay? It's really just like a list of preferred motives and weapons for getting away with murder, which, spoiler alert, they seem pretty obvious. So using this specific article, we're going to ask the question that the investigators are asking at this point, which is, what motive does Nancy have for committing this murder? Well, we can go through this and kind of look at what uh, motives she would have suggested. Mm -hmm. What I picture is it's that kind of clickbait where you get the really long, boring slideshow. And it's like a picture of a knife. And you're and it's like murder with a knife. And 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 you have to click the next slide. You have to click and it like loads. (laughs) And then it's like murder with a gun. And you go to motive and it's like click and it's like affair and it's like a bad uh getty image of a couple in a bed like smooching and then you like click again (laughs) it's like oh well the motives that she lists on this really boring article are really boring motives like uh i mean affairs abuse financial trouble i guess they're fairly common weirdly what you won't believe it no she doesn't list fridge etiquette as a motive and that well To her credit, it was number four on the list. And for clickbaits, it just was top three, okay? I didn't wait for it to load. That was the problem. (laughs) You got so annoyed. There was too many ads. You got off the site. So let's go through these motives and see if they apply to Nancy and Daniel's relationship, okay? So motive number one, affair. Now, there's no evidence of an affair on either her or Daniel's side of the relationship. They've been married for something like 19 years. And if you look at their relationship, they're eating hors d'oeuvres and bubble baths. I mean, what could go wrong? 
I think a lot can go wrong when you're eating in the tub, and that would not be a preferred hobby of mine. Um, God, I'm starting to sound really picky, but I've got to lay it all out there. If I caught Matt eating food in the tub, uh, I would vanquish him. So just to clarify, if there's too little food in the fridge, murder. If there's too much food in the tub, murder. Okay, I'm a delicate balance in this household if you want to stay safe (laughs) and if you want to stay alive. Now, the next motive is abuse. And so it calls into question, was there abuse in their relationship? He does call her management, which is could be a cutesy joke. It could also be that thing where you call someone management, but there's like some underlying anger or resentment at your partner. But is, I mean, is there any evidence of abuse? No, there's no evidence at all of abuse. That's that's not what it was. You know, they had some fights. They made fun of each other, maybe. Nothing out of the ordinary for a relationship that's been in the works 19 years. That really only leaves on this list uh, financial trouble. So what do we know about that? Well, that seems like the strongest motive in this case, because we know that Nancy ran a catering company, and she did that for a long time. But a few years ago, she fell on some hard times. She had to cut back her staff, and she hoped that that would fix the money stuff, but it didn't. And she just didn't have enough money to continue this company. So after 10 years, she had to shut it down. And in November of 2017, Nancy and Daniel are now struggling financially. Daniel has to cash in a $35,000 chunk of his retirement savings to pay off their credit card debt. Nancy has to get a new job. Guess what job? Um, assistant to Susie Orman. Uh, motivational speaking. Private investigator. So close. She actually started selling life insurance. And I think you and I both know that anytime life insurance gets involved in one of these stories, there's going to be trouble. I mean, it seems like there are a lot of people who have life insurance and not all of those people are murdered. But, you know, who knows? I will say she was very committed to staying with her husband. Well, she said she was committed to not going through another divorce. Ah, Ahaha, a little loophole. Well, to put a cherry atop this uh, lovely motive Sunday, Nancy Brophy is the beneficiary of his life insurance policy, which is worth more than a million dollars. Ooh. So now let's get to the next part of Nancy's clickbait article. Wait, hang on. Let's wait for it to load. This is the weapons list. Loading, loading. (laughs) Um, this part weighs the pros and cons of a few methods of murder. And listen, I don't want to get on Nancy's bad side, but she probably could have put more time and energy into her list. I mean, guns, knives, poison, hitmen. You don't have to be a true crime fanatic to come up with this list. And frankly, none of these make me believe you're going to get away with murder. No, it's sort of a snooze fest. But what comes through loud and clear is that Nancy has pretty strong preferences for certain weapons. So knives. They're just out of the question, okay? It's too personal, she says, and too messy. Ew. Um, the same thing goes for blunt objects like baseball bats. Just she's not interested. And Nancy is not wrong. She's done her homework. She knows that uh, poison is known as a woman's weapon. According to her, arsenic is pretty easy to obtain. Also, unfortunately, easy to trace. But worse than that, it just takes a really long time. So it'd be the kind of thing where she'd, you know, maybe just get him really sick and then be stuck uh, making hors d'oeuvres herself for her sick husband. And who wants to do that? And another weapon of sorts is a hitman, right? 
Nancy doesn't seem like the kind of person who would get dirty, but she's highly organized and she does lots of research, so she could probably easily find a hitman. Well, wait, you think it's that easy? Do you know a hitman? No. Yeah, so neither does she. (laughs) And that's what she says in the article. And she notes something we have definitely seen come to pass before, which is that hitmen make you also run the risk of blackmail, right? So that's really out of the question. Well, that leaves only one other option. And that's the way that Daniel Brophy was actually killed. A gun. And what does Nancy have to say about that? Well, when it comes to guns, Nancy does note that that's going to be messy, too, and loud. You have to know how to use them. You need practice. You need aim. You don't want to be in a situation where you're just blasting off shot after shot and hoping you're hitting something. You need precision. And whoever shot Daniel Brophy had precision. They fired two bullets, and both of those went straight through his heart. Do we really think that Nancy was capable of that kind of precision? And does she even have the guts to pull the trigger? You know, we did mention that Nancy was married before, and it actually just so happens that her ex-husband is a cop. And we know that while they were married, she wouldn't even let him bring his gun into their home. She has a really strong aversion to firearms. So I, I do find it sort of hard to believe she had experience firing a gun. You know, that's a really good point. But Nancy and Daniel were married 19 years. A lot can change in that time. So the question that we really should be asking is... When she lived with Daniel, did she have a gun? Let's leave this genius piece of mm. writing mm. behind. Let's let's leave the literary world. Let's head back to Portland, Oregon, where Nancy Brophy has just been brought in for questioning by police. And at this point, it's fair to say that the investigation's really only just begun. Police haven't even seen this article we're telling you about yet. So they sit her down and they ask her the basics. Where were you at the time of your husband's murder? And she tells them she was in her bed when her husband left the house that morning, and she'd been home ever since, which is not much of an alibi. There's not really many people to prove that that's the case, but it's believable. It's early in the morning. If I were her, I'd definitely still be asleep at 7.30 in the morning when the murder took place. So then they ask her if she owns a gun, and Nancy tells police that, yes, she does. A 9 millimeter pistol and that she owns it for home protection. Oh, how things have changed. Nancy ain't so afraid of guns anymore, is she? That's pretty interesting. Yeah, the police are interested. The ballistics team later finds out that the bullets at the scene were 9mm too. So of course the police are like, um, we need that gun, we need that gun. We need to compare the ballistics and see if they match. And Nancy gives up her gun without a fight. She's totally cooperating with the investigation. And I guess that's a mark in her favor. And 9mm pistols are a really common gun. Just because she has one and the killer has one doesn't necessarily mean it's the same one. Right, so that's why they have to do the ballistics work. Every gun leaves a unique marking on the bullets it fires. There are grooves that get sort of etched into them as they spin in the barrel. So the cops can look at the markings on the bullets from the scene and the markings that Nancy's pistol leaves on its bullets, and then they can see, are those a match? Now, I'm imagining this is an episode of Maury, and I have a manila envelope in my hand, and I'm like, Nancy, and the case of your gun, and I, like, open the paternity test, and I say, it is not a match. (sighs) The audience goes crazy, but it's not a match. It's not a match. I mean, maybe Nancy didn't have it in her after all. 
Maybe. Was there something else? There is, and it's kind of big. Because while the ballistics team was looking at Nancy's gun, investigators were busy searching something else. They find traffic camera footage. Oh, right. And we all know that Nancy said she was home, in bed, at the time of the murder. Well, you know, I guess she's using a real loose definition of in bed because she's actually on camera driving her car on roads near the culinary school in the same 13-minute window that her husband was shot and killed. Gasp. As Nancy herself says at the end of her How to Murder Your Husband article, the thing I know about murder is that every one of us has it in her when pushed far enough. That's what she said. No, I mean that, really. That is what she said in that article. I mean, she um, wrote it in her defense. She did write it. And but that's what she wrote, just didn't have the same ring. She, it does have the same ring. And also, let's just be honest with you, it's not great writing. Okay, I just got to say, it's not no, great writing. No, and I would also say that uh, Nancy talks about how she's not good at remembering lies. And I'm going to go ahead and say that's even too generous because I would say she's just not good at lies in general. Because... <laughs> These days, cameras are everywhere. What was she thinking? Why did she think she was going to get away with that? Also, the insurance policy? Like, did she write it up herself? Did right. he even know? I wonder how she she broached that subject with him. I think that we should up yours to a million bobillion during <laughs> these times of trouble. Yeah, because she works for the life insurance company. Like, she knows how this thing works. But also, it's kind of interesting because I think anyone who has talked about life insurance or knows about life insurance is like, in order for them to pay up, they have to typically solve the case, right? Like, they're going to have to sort of exclude her from any narrative before they pay her out. It just seems like a really flawed motive, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You only need to have seen like one episode of uh, Law, and, Law Order. and Order to know <laughs> that they're not going to just give you the money as soon as the person dies. They're going to have to solve this crime. And if you're the guy that did it, are they going to be able to solve it? <laughs> you, right? Do you know what I mean? It, it totally. doesn't seem like you're going to win either way, Nancy. Listen, I'm not I, – I don't want to malign her because I don't know Nancy, but I just – I don't think she's the brightest bulb in the box in this situation. And I think <laughs> in order to successfully get away with murder, your bulb has to be super bright. Like You've got to be the sharpest you have turn to be up the in that box. Exactly. For sure. Right. But, I mean, all that being said, I do think it's important to note that, like, they actually don't have a ton of evidence, right? It's like – she could have been like, I actually was out that morning. I just forgot. Like, I don't like it's the evidence that they have on her isn't that great. And also the motive, like, while yes, financial is top three according to Nancy Brophy, like it's it's not necessarily the strongest. Like they had a nice relationship. It seems bizarre. It just seems bizarre, is I guess all I'm saying. I mean, as long as we're being hypothetical about this, I would say that if there's anything I've learned from watching a lot of really good spy shows and stuff, it's that if you're in a situation where you might have to lie, tell as many truths as possible. So you make the lie as small as you can. And we already see here that that's not what's going on. It's overly complicated. 
Don't worry that they can put you near the scene of the crime. Worry about lying and saying you're not there when they can prove you are. That's way worse than if she'd said, you know, for some reason, I was on a drive in his neck of the woods, and I can't believe this actually happened at that time. Also, you're a crime suspense romance, romance crime suspense writer, however you want to say what she did. You always start with the wife. You always start with the husband. You always start with the partner. Like, that oversight to me is, like, insane. Like, she should have had all of her ducks in a row. The fact that she was, like, flying on a wing in a prayer at this point was like, well, I know they're going to call me in, but I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just wing it. She's a sloppy writer and a sloppy criminal, folks. <laughs> with a not good alibi. With the wrong alibi. <laughs> Add it to the wrong collection. Add it to the wrong series that she's writing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. On September 5th, 2018, police knock on the door of Nancy Brophy's Portland house. And when they tell her she's under arrest, she says, You're arresting me? You must think I murdered my husband. Like, she just wants the police to know that she's in the know. She knows what's up. She's no fool. That'll show them. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Friends of the Brophies tell local reporters that they're sick at heart and hope that the police are just wrong about Nancy. Don McConnell, a neighbor of the Brophies, says that he and others aren't totally surprised. He says she never showed any signs of being upset or sad I would say that she had an air of relief, like it was almost a godsend. 
Don even asked her what she thought the motive might be, which can I just say is like pretty tactless as a neighbor to like go up to someone who you think is like not mourning enough and being like, so your husband died. What do you think the motive is? Like, why do you think someone murdered your husband? Pretty tactless. But Nancy ends up responding by pointing out that she's actually a suspect. I like that answer. fun neighbor small talk. He's like, why do you think someone killed your husband? And she's like, well, nothing comes to mind uh, except me. Maybe it was me. She really can't have been surprised when the police hauled her down to the Multnomah County Detention Center and indicted her for murder with a firearm. Nancy, as we probably all suspect, maintains her innocence. But more than that, she goes on to claim that she is suffering from trauma-induced amnesia. Now listen, if she didn't kill him... This is a traumatic event, right? But as she puts it, on the day that her husband was murdered, she was so traumatized by the murder that her memory of driving around town that morning, poof, was just erased. That's why she told the police that she was at home at the time of the murder. And according to at least one psychologist who would testify on Nancy's behalf, retrograde amnesia is a thing, and it can't be triggered by trauma. And I must say, you know, to talk about the sun, the moon, and the stars, when Mercury is in retrograde, amnesia is abound. That's why I always forget that Mercury is, in fact, in retrograde. I mean, this is a pretty convenient explanation. I guess call it lazy writing from a cheesy romance novelist. Nancy has spent a lot of her life writing about murder, attempted murder and police chases and all sorts of ways to get away with crimes in order for true love to prevail. But listen, just because you write it doesn't mean it's reality. Those kind of books really don't end in court cases, which just goes to show you how unrealistic they are. Well, Nancy's story does end in court. And when she finally goes to trial in April of 2022, the prosecution reveals she had actually bookmarked an article on her computer entitled 10 Ways to Cover Up a Murder. Nancy, you gotta turn off those cookies. This is very incriminating on top of all the other incriminating things Nancy's already done. But looking at her internet search from, you know, my pedestal of a true crime podcast co-host, I personally have searched for a lot of questionable things like fetal abduction, murder, con women, like twins love triangle murder. (laughs) Why does my chin grow so much hair? (laughs) Single and happy question mark. Yeah, we don't want people looking at our cookies either. No, Nancy, we're in the no, same no, no. boat. Yeah, if someone close to me ever ended up dead and I had a life insurance policy on them, I got to tell you, you go to my uh, internet history and my goose is cooked. The headlines would honestly write themselves, Crime of a Lifetime co-host commits the crime of her lifetime. In Nancy's case, the New York Times said it best in May of 2022. She wrote how to murder your husband. Did she do it? That is the question. She had a financial motive. She has a trail of research that makes her look pretty damn bad. And she was near the crime scene at the time of the murder, whether she remembers it or not. 
When Nancy takes the stand in this clip from the Oregonian, the prosecution grills her about that alleged amnesia. If you have no memory, how do you know you didn't go in the building? You know, I'm reconstructing this, but I'm reconstructing this based upon what I know in my heart. And what I know in my heart is the reason why I have no memory is because I was stunned by the fact Dan was dead. And I wouldn't have been stunned if I'd been in the building and shot him. I didn't suggest that you did go in to shoot him. What I'm suggesting and asking okay. is did you just go in the building? And how would you know if you didn't? My response, I don't remember, is the most accurate thing I can tell you. At this point, her only saving grace is that her gun doesn't match the gun used in the murder. Or does it? Apparently, Nancy Brophy did more than just research for her books. She also made a few purchases, tax-exempt, she claims were part of her writing process. You know me, we love a write-off. And one of those purchases was made six months before the murder. In December of 2017, Nancy buys a Glock ghost gun kit from a shady website. The black market, if you will. And if you don't know what a ghost gun is, it's like a gun that you can make with a 3D printer. It's a one-shot kind of thing, and it's untraceable. It's just, it's bad news. And it's old-fashioned looking and can move through walls. What? Oh. Ghost gun. <laughs> no, not true. What's funny is like we're actually trying to outlaw these ghost guns, but they're popping out. You can get them on the dark web. Well, it's just such a crazy thing to even exist because like where do you sell it other than murderers are us? You know, that's the only person looking for this. Anyway, what really caught the prosecutor's attention was a February 2018 purchase from eBay. Nancy apparently bought a replacement barrel for her 9mm pistol. That means she could have switched out gun barrels before and after committing the murder, and that way the ballistics at the crime scene wouldn't match the ballistics of her gun barrel. That replacement barrel that she bought was never found. Nancy's defense attorney points out that this purchase wasn't out of the norm for her because she had to do research for her novels. She's purchased a bunch of odd items, like night vision goggles, or a telescope, or law enforcement quality handcuffs. Go Mm. Daniel. All of those were tax write-offs. But the gun mismatch was really the only thing that gave Nancy any cover for the murder, and now that cover's gone. Everything that happened the morning of Daniel Brophy's murder can now be tied directly to her. On May 25th, 2022, Nancy Brophy was convicted of second-degree murder. At her sentencing hearing, the judge allows emotional statements from those affected by Daniel Brophy's death. Daniel's son from his previous marriage, Nathaniel Stillwater, speaks directly to Nancy. You executed my father in an act of cold-blooded, premeditated murder. A man that did everything for you cooked you meals, washed your clothes, accepted your sedentary nature, supported your failed endeavors, and brought you into the warm embrace of our family. Your payment for decades of dedication, trust, and love. Plot his murder on Christmas Eve in the presence of his parents and grandchildren. You opted to lie, cheat, steal, defraud, and ultimately kill the man that was your biggest fan. You were 
to borrow from your catalog, the wrong wife. Nancy is sentenced to life in prison. She will be up for parole at the age of 96. Ugh. Ugh. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking from Nathaniel Stillwater. I'm so glad that that son, who is a way better writer than Nancy, just handed her her ass in court because I just... He's so right to um, list all these things that this man did for her. And the puzzling thing about this is that when you look at it, you're like, why did she do it? He was worth more alive than dead, even just from a financial perspective of everything he was doing to help support her and uh, look after her. Well, it's just like it's it's insult to injury because he was supporting her while he was alive and she still tried to kill him. It's well, like she know, wasn't bringing in any money, really. I mean, like, she had her life insurance job, but, like, he was a teacher. He, like, I mean, he did well, everything. Yes, but that is actually in, you know, reading this from an outside perspective and sort of trying to dig deeper, I was not taken with the explanation of just financial gain um, for all the reasons that we sort of already listed here and there in the podcast. But I started to kind of develop this thought that, it was jealousy, um, which is to say here she was married to somebody that was able to do what they loved for a living and have uh, the praise and the respect of their peers mm-hmm. in that field. And here she was not very good at the things she wanted to be good at, really struggling, you know. Okay. And I, I do think that um, – She's seen somebody every day that she's coming to resent. And I, I do think that jealousy might have played a role in it. Ooh, interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, I also find it fascinating that she is charged with this murder and she doesn't try to find out who did it. Like, it felt like finding out who actually killed her husband was the farthest thing from her mind, which to me is so damning it's like even in her defense like they're not like what about x y and z like she's a murder writer it's like don't you think she should be interested in finding out who killed her husband beyond even being a murder writer wouldn't you be like it reminds yes. me of um the neighbor that poisoned the, the Coca-Cola poisoning. poisoning yeah yeah where here was this guy that was staging his own murder mystery parties and then his neighbor gets poisoned and he's not asking anyone any questions or telling yeah. anyone stories about it and you go you love these stories she's a storyteller for a living and she doesn't want to know the story <laughs> it's yeah very strange that to me is just the most damning honestly is just like you didn't even come up with a with a possible explanation of who yeah, what could you were more worried be, about? As the neighbor yeah. asked, uh, yeah. "Me? I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's <laughs> the no creativity there at all, and that includes in her alibi, in her, you know, everything. There's just was she was devoid of creativity, and she's supposedly a writer. Well, she wasn't a very good one. Well, I'll tell you something. This was um, a very strange story. Uh, the odds of somebody writing an article titled how to murder your husband, and then actually doing it. Uh, Pretty incredible. We were lucky enough in doing this research that we got sent a screener from Lifetime, and we got to watch How to Murder Your Husband, the Nancy Brophy story. It stars Steve Gutenberg and Sybil Shepard, and... We can tell Steve went to the gym. He's 
absolutely looking fabulous. Spelt. Can I say that? It's He does. He looks great. And the good news is, is though we saw a screener earlier, this is coming out in your neck of the woods. You can watch How to Murder Your Husband, the Nancy Brophy story on mylifetime.com. And you should. Because you as should. much as we hate Nancy Brophy, we, we love, love Sybil Shepard. We love Sybil Shepard and Steve Gutenberg. So go watch How to Murder Your Husband, The Nancy Brophy Story, and you can find it on mylifetime.com. Catch more gripping stories pulled straight from the headlines with all new original series and movies on Lifetime and stream on the Lifetime app or on demand. Check out mylifetime.com to find out what's airing because it might just be the case we talk about next. We used many sources in our research for today's episode. Among the most helpful were the following. An article from the Washington Post entitled, Murder She Wrote, Did She Do It? by Megan Flynn. And articles from the Oregonian entitled, The Chef's Murder Was a Mystery, Then Portland Police Arrested His Romance Novelist Wife by Shane Dixon Kavanaugh. Spotlight shines on Oregon romance novelist accused of killing chef husband, who is Nancy Crampton Brophy by Zane Sparling, and many more. The Oregonian is a great source for more Nancy Brophy details. If you'd like to learn more about this story, we highly recommend you check out these sources. Crime of a Lifetime is produced by Tanner Robbins. Our associate producers are Hazel May and us, Quinlan Posner and Carrie Ipema. Our sound designer and editor is Arlen Ginsberg. Our senior producer is John Thrasher. McKamey Lynn is our supervising producer and Jesse Katz is our executive producer. If you like what you hear on the show, please subscribe, rate, and review Crime of a Lifetime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.